inflation goes up, what can freelancers do to stay financially secure? Welcome back to Freelance Creative Exchange. I'm your producer, Raven, and it has been a minute since we run our main series. Back in June, our inflation rate hits a 13-year high at 4.4%. But inflation is not limited to just Singapore. We see this trend repeated in the US, Europe, and all over the world. We are very concerned about how increasing cost of living impact on our creative freelancers. Over the next few weeks, we'll be speaking to creatives and financial experts about how the current living conditions are affecting their work and practice. More importantly, what can we do to manage our finances in this challenging time? So today, we are speaking to Ben, who is also known as the Passive Income Guy. So he's a former accountant turned financial advisor. He wants to help you earn more, work less, and get out of the rat race. And that sounds really like a great goal to me, especially in my past corporate life. <laughs> okay, Ben, hi, welcome to this show. Hey, Raven, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you here today to share about your expertise, especially about passive income. But before we talk about passive income, right, I want to find out a bit more about you. Like, what is your own personal attitude towards money? So um, a little bit about me, as I think you mentioned earlier, I was, a, I was an accountant. Uh, went to work into a big ac- accounting firm. But the real switch for me came when I was in my corporate job. And then I felt that I was not getting remunerated for the amount of hours that I worked. So uh, if you have auditing friends, you know that sometimes there's an ongoing joke. They say like, auditors are a bit like vampires. Because... <laughs> <laughs> We go to office before the sun rises and we come out when the sun sets. So we don't, we don't see sun at all. So we work 14, 16 hour shifts uh, almost every day uh, for a long period of time. Uh, that was when the, the light, there's like, like a switch flip inside where I say, hey, you know, I, I really need to find different ways that I can earn money because if I were to be stuck in this job, for, I don't know, 60, until I'm 65. I don't know if I can last. So that, that was a little bit about me. Yeah. What is this journey like, right? Because, I mean, a, being an accountant is considered quite like a stable job in Singapore, right? So how do you transition to become from like a, like, you know, accountant to, to being like a, a financial advisor, which is a bit more like you're taking a bit more control over your job? So the change for me came when I was, uh, I was transiting jobs. I was thinking of leaving my accounting, my, my auditing role already and exploring something else. And then just coincidentally, in between that time, I met up with my financial advisor back then and I shared with her, hey, you know, I'm thinking of doing this change. So she said, hey, why not before you go into your next corporate job, why not you just try, try something out like this? So um, I took the jump and uh, it has been six years since then. So what, what have you learned over the past six years, like working with different clients, oh, helping so them to manage their finances? I think the, um, uh, I'm privileged to speak to clients from across a lot of different industries. But the main overarching uh, thing that I found from most people is that uh, actually a lot of people don't really understand how money works. And uh, especially, in, it's quite strange where we live in Singapore. Um, Singapore is, a, is one of the wealthiest countries in Asia, right? Like, you're just looking around our neighbours. We are one of the wealthiest countries. Uh, we have a lot of information right now, but uh, when it comes to money, yeah, people don't really know how it works. And when we go through finances, that's where we find out that they, they could uh, be making 
if I could say, certain poor decisions and maybe poor habits that actually limit them from fully maximizing their wealth. Yeah, that's a very interesting point. And Singapore is also one of the most expensive places in the world, right? And there, with the inflation, right? How do you, how are you coping right now, or is, or it doesn't really matter to you? Oh, <laughs> no, <laughs> the inflation hits everybody. Oh, inflation hits everybody. Yeah, I think uh, earlier you mentioned that uh, inflation right now is a uh, thirteen-year high, mm. and I, I think for a long time, uh, as financial advisors, we've been talking about inflation for many years. Uh, but whenever we talk about inflation, then true story, clients will say, "Hey, you just." trying to sell me policy, right? That's why you tell me about inflation. <laughs> that, was about, that, was, uh, that was many years back. But I think after COVID, uh, everyone sees the real effects of inflation. Uh, you, you see everywhere on social media, people joking about how, you know, uh, Tai Fan now, they cannot order three veg, right? Or something like that. They have to cut down on the amount of dishes yeah. that they can order. Yeah, so uh, inflation is a very real thing. Uh, it's, it affects everybody. Um, mm. Yeah. Can you share a bit more about your money and investment strategy to cope with this uh, inflation? Yeah. During periods of um, high inflation, uh, mm. the, the best advice that I can have for anybody, doesn't matter whether you're in the creative industry or uh, you're out there in the corporate world, uh, if you want to overcome inflation, you have to invest into assets. Asset primarily has two categories. Uh, the first one is that it has to appreciate in value over time. So um, you buy something for $10, over a period of time, hopefully you can sell it for $12 or $13. So that's, that's the first thing. Uh, asset has to appreciate in value. Uh, second thing uh, that is defined as an asset is that it probably pays you a form of income. If you invest into assets during high inflationary times, uh, you're going to be okay. That's a very, actually a very good explanation of assets. Right? I mean, usually I use that term, but I think I don't quite understand what it means so that's a very clear explanation so following out on this uh, what kind of assets should we be looking at during this period of high inflation so if you have the financial capability and the means to invest into a property then property is a pretty good asset you know historically property prices has been increasing and if you are able to rent out your property uh, maybe you rent out one room or maybe the entire unit, it, you are able to collect uh, rental. So, you know, uh, using property as an example, it fulfills two, the two definitions, right? It appreciates in value and you can get an income from it. Um, but then therein lies a little bit of a challenge when it comes to property investing. Um, uh, if you are in the lookout for property in the market, you know that the barrier to entry uh, is actually pretty high. Yeah, like the down payments and the various mm. taxes that you need to pay. Uh, we're we talking about tens of, tens of thousands of dollars, at, at least, right? At least for a property. So uh, therein lies the challenge because not a lot of people have, you know, that kind of spare cash, right? Like, you don't want to buy a property, you are like, go and buy, <laughs> go and buy bags like that. So uh, the next alternative that you can consider um, is investing into the stock market. Okay. So for people who are not so familiar with investing, right, how do we like safeguard ourselves? Because even for in- investing, right, um, you need to spend a lot of time and resources to learning how to, learning how to get it right. And even though there's a lot of information out there, it's, to a certain extent, it's like information overload because <laughs> yes, it's just yes. too much. And also as creators, right, a lot of us are running our own businesses and, you know, it's really challenging to deal with um, like inflation now because of 
rising costs in terms of in terms of personnel, in terms of uh, resources, and and also dealing with clients. So how what would you recommend like a I guess an investment strategy for someone who might not have that much time to really look into it? Is that something we can do ourselves, or is it better for us to outsource to this investment to someone else? What is your take on this? My biggest take on this is that if you feel that you can um, save money by doing it by yourself, then uh, by all means, you, you should do it by yourself. Uh, but I have seen, um, and I've seen clients or I've seen friends who they DIY their own investment portfolio and has dire consequences. Yeah, like, like what you mentioned, um, life is hard enough, you're out there, you're hustling, you're trying to get contracts and trying to get clients and at night you're like oh I need to deal with this whole uh, high inflation and trying to make the money work harder for you and uh, it can get really tough and I understand so uh, but if you're thinking or planning to do it by yourself uh, there's three tips that I normally offer to people if they are planning to you know do passive income investing by themselves uh, the very first one is that you have to find high quality investments so go go around find high quality investments um, not to go into too too detail because I think that's uh, that's not the purpose of the, the podcast <laughs> but uh, high quality investments uh, generally just ensure that they are global which means that you know the investment is all over the world uh, they are diversified not just into one sector just make sure it's diversified not just into one sector and it has to be a portfolio so not just one company but if preferably you know dozens and dozens of companies so high quality investments are global, diversified, and just make sure it's a portfolio. So that's the first thing. Uh, if you want to do it by yourself, the second thing that you need is time. I think uh, I, I don't need to explain about time because this is a freelance creative podcast. You all know, if you also, uh, your business takes time to grow, right? Just as well as your investments. Uh, you need to leave it uh, for a certain period of time to allow it to grow and compound. And I think the last thing that you need is money. So, uh, like with all things or so, you reinvest into your business. Uh, if you want investments to grow, yeah, you have to input uh, money into it. So, three things. High quality investments, time, and money. Yeah, and if you can do it by yourself, uh, you, can, you can really make some good money from it. You also specialize in this. In fact, on Instagram, you call yourself the passive income guy. So, my question to you is, what exactly is <laughs> passive income? So uh, I, I think the best way to explain passive income investing is uh, through a story. So, you know, uh, John, let's call our main character John, right? Uh, John lives in a remote village somewhere, very Ulu, remote village. And the only place that he can get water is from a well high up in the mountains. If he wants to go and drink water, he has to trek up 30 minutes to get water and then he draws water from the well and then he needs to trek down again 30 minutes. So... Obviously, each time he needs to get water, uh, because it's a 60-minute trek, right? Uh, he doesn't just take one cup of water. Uh, you know, John will probably take like 20 litres worth of water, right? Just go up, then go down just to fetch water. So, water collection is a very time-consuming and it's very tiring, right? And, you know, this whole getting water, doesn't, it doesn't care if John is sick or not. So, after a few years, I think John grew very tired of doing this every single day. So what does he do, right? He's smart already now. Every time he goes up to collect water, he brings a small piece of a PVC pipe. Just a very small piece of a PVC pipe. What does he do? He connects the pipe to the well and then he collects his water and then he heads back down again. So 
every day he keeps doing this for one month nothing happens two months nothing happens one year nothing happens three years nothing happens everybody in the village think he was crazy you know literally like a fool like a fool's errand uh. but you know John persevered right smart not the naysayers um, so finally after years of bringing up this tiny piece of PVC pipe maybe he brought up thousands of PVC pipes he finally con- connected the well directly into his house so now whenever he needs water he just turn on the tap at home and water flows directly into his house uh, going up and down the hill to fetch water is a picture of active income you know every time you you know like people like us um, people in the creative industry uh, you're always looking for new clients always looking for new contracts right that is you like literally trekking up the mountain trying to get water from the pipe again and you know sometimes the client agrees uh, but sometimes the client may not agree to what you are suggesting so um, in other words it's very hard work pretty stressful uh, and basically it may not be work that you want to do forever on the other side building a pipe that connects the well directly to your house is a picture of passive income so it can be a slow process nothing is happening at first you know people might even laugh at you all right but if you keep going at it i think you will reach a certain point where oh, you don't need to actively work anymore you know passive income flows directly to you and i think when that or any one of us lah you'll be a be an awesome day all right <laughs> all you need to do is uh, you wake up and you maybe you log into your dbs app and there's money inside wow you don't need to do anything so that is a that is what passive income is all you don't need to work and money flows directly into you yeah that sounds really good but almost yeah. a bit good too good to be true <laughs> <laughs> uh what exactly makes up a uh, passive income what kind of assets So uh, the various asset uh, classes that we have uh, for, for passive, passive income investing uh, there's a few so we, earlier what we discussed there's property investing so you collect a rental and then there's uh, royalties i think big in the creative industry right mm. um, you're the nfts and all so uh, you make something and then you sell it you sell the ip uh, that's also a form of passive income uh, but my favorite the way of doing passive income is to invest into dividends yielding funds So that's how I do it um, and that's how I help my clients to do it. What exactly is a dividend yielding fund? We can break it down a term and I understand it uh, sounds like an industry jargon. Yeah. So dividends basically means that uh, if the company does well, the company pays you a portion of its profits comes out as a dividend to you. So dividend yielding. So you want to look for funds that pays you dividends so why not just invest individually into a company i think earlier we mentioned that already that you don't want to diversify and not just you know invest into just one company alone because what if that company uh, doesn't make it or it goes bankrupt or your entire investment is gone so what you can do is uh, just spread your risk out into a fund that pay dividend so fund is an f u n d not <laughs> f u n everyone's going to have fun <laughs> <laughs> sounds like great it sounds like yeah, a fun sounds, sounds great right <laughs> <laughs> typically a fund can pay out dividends from anywhere between 4% all the way up to 8 or 9% but just really depending on your risk appetite so if you are looking at a little bit more of a conservative kind of fund then perhaps a 
4% payout might be sufficient for you. Uh, earlier on, you know, you mentioned that inflation is around 4%. So, you know, 4% is just like barely meeting inflation. So, if you want to beat inflation, yeah, you can consider something a little bit on the upper curve, but, you know, not too aggressive, right? So, 6% is somewhere in that sweet spot. Can you give us an example? Because I'm trying to visualize how dividend yielding fund looks like. Yeah, how, how does a dividend yielding fund work? Uh, there's, there's one dividends fund that uh, I like a lot, which is the Singapore Dividends Fund. So this fund primarily focuses on companies in Singapore. So they invest into the top 30 to 40 companies in Singapore. Things like DBS, Capital Land and Capital Corp you know, brands that we are all very familiar with, right? So for example, if DBS makes a profit, uh, you enjoy the dividends as well. So the good thing about a fund is that it doesn't just invest into one company, uh, it invests into a basket of companies so that you can ensure, you know, you are pretty well diversified and your risk is very well managed. But what if there are, in a fund, some of the companies do good, some of them didn't do so well? What's going to happen in that sense? Because it's a collection, uh, you average it out and that's how it can pay from anywhere between 4 to 8%. So they average out the performance of the companies. So let's say if I'm, for example, for the benefit of the listeners, let's say I'm very new to investing, very new to the concept of um, passive income, what is the minimum amount that I need to start? So can I invest in like, I don't know, with $50 or do I need to, you know, save up until 500 or 5000 before I make my first investment? How does this work? And is it a one-time off or do I have to continue investing like every month? How, yeah. The first questions that we tackle when, when I speak to clients, uh, the very first question we ask is, actually, how much passive income do you hope to receive? So uh, we kind of work backwards because uh, if clients ask, oh, how much should I put? Is 100 enough or is 200 enough? Then I would say that it's, it's kind of like working from the other side because uh, if you, if you, maybe if you do an amount, but this amount is not enough to meet your target, then it, it's kind of like, you know, you, you could have done something else with that money. I don't know if that, does, if that makes sense. So uh, I, I guess perhaps the... Uh, if clients are thinking of investing, uh, you should sit down with your financial planner or financial advisor and work throughout with them actually how much passive income do you hope to achieve first and then you see how you can meet that shortfall. I think that's the, that's the best way to go about doing this. So basically, you kind of need a plan, right? Um, so that you, you know what is your end goal and then you kind of work towards it. It's also a bit like running a business, right? You need you need to have a goal in mind. So what do you want to achieve your business and then you also... Um, work towards it just like with finances but let's say if I like maybe I'm fresh out of school right because we do have uh, listeners who are really young that maybe they are only Mm. maybe they are like few months or one year out they may not have you know have saved much themselves should they wait until they save enough or should they just like oh maybe I should just start with $50 per month What, what are your thoughts on this okay so uh, if if I could reference back the three-part framework that I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, Raven, you were asking me, how do you find uh, passive income? And what are some of the criteria? I mentioned uh, you need three things, high-quality investments, time, and money. So if you're a young person, maybe you don't have a lot of money, right? But you have a lot of time. So y- you still fall within that framework. And 
um, this framework is not wanted, wanted, wanted. You know, I need wanted this, wanted this, wanted this. No, it's, a, it's kind of fluid. Uh, that's if you are a young person because you don't have a lot of money, but you have a lot of time. So you'll still be able to build passive income. I, think, I guess the other question is, what if I'm older and I don't have a lot of time like a younger person, right? And COVID set me back two years or maybe even set me back five years financially. What then should I do? Uh, going back to the three-part framework again, uh, high-quality investments, time, and money. And I wish to say that there's a silver bullet to this, like, you know, but there isn't. If, uh, if you have a lesser time already, the only other catch-up that you can do is put more money in. So you really want to put more money in into high-quality investments. And that is the way that uh, you can catch up. I wish there, uh, I wish there is a silver bullet, but yeah. So, yeah. And then after that, you know, some some people tell me say, oh, some some investments give them twenty percent. And I say that that sounds like a scam. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. As creative freelancers, we do face uh, certain challenges. Maybe, for example, in our income stability. So sometimes I may be able to put one k. Sometimes I may be able to put five hundred for instance, in passive income, if I want to do this. And then other months, I may be only like 50, right? How do you think, do you think that passive income still works for, you know, for people with like not so stable incomes? Do you think that you will really help them with their financial planning? Yeah, that's a great, that's a, that's really a great question. Um, which reminds me, I think last week, I was having a conversation with a freelancer. She works in the legal industry and she was very upfront with me. She said, you know, Ben, on some months, I can earn a 1000 as little as $1,000. But on months that is good, it can be as high as $10,000. So there's a huge uh, variation. And I think uh, freelancers, they face that. On some months, you can be on top of the mountain. But on some months, you can feel like, oh my God, it's like, it's, it's like hell like that, right? Uh, best advice is average it out. So you, you kind of will know roughly how much you earn in a year assuming normal circumstances. Lah. So we're not talking about COVID. Assuming normal circumstances, if your annual salary is about sixty or 80000 then uh, you work along that range and then you try your best to do it. So you don't really plan it month by month because uh, it can be too erratic. So you plan it on a yearly basis. So for financial planning for freelancers and creatives, it's very different from planning for uh, regular staff because you know if it's 5000 every month, it's $5,000 every month, right? But for, for people like us, you know, yeah, it's a little bit different. So best advice, do a yearly average and then you're able to find out a ballpark figure. Taking account that for creative freelancers or freelancers in general, I mean, the way we have, um, the way our income comes in is very different from some of salary job and how we need to take this into consideration, right? Like looking at the big picture rather than month to month, right? Because like, like you said, like your, the example your client gave, like one month she earned 10K, another month she earned 1K. Like if I put in like, for example, 500 per month, I'll be dead, yeah. right? Yeah, in the month I earn 1K. But uh, if I look at it in a year, like, you know, okay, uh, maybe I'll invest like a certain percentage of my yeah. earnings. So that is also another very good way to uh, look at finances. You know, especially if the way your income comes is quite erratic in that sense. Yeah, it fluctuates. Because even for myself, mm. if, if I may add this, even for myself, uh, by and large, I am pretty much like a business owner. I'm not salaried staff. So what then do I do on months that is high and on months that is low? Uh, we just take an average and we just consistently stay the journey. 
just like John, right, in the story, you know, it doesn't mm. matter if you're feeling good or not, just take one small piece of PVC pipe and lay it down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Consistency is really the key when it comes to uh, planning your finances. Like, yeah. So it doesn't matter that certain months that you, you can't invest that much money or you can't even invest. Like, you know, mm. if I'm earning 1K, I, there's no way I would invest. But as, yeah. as long as you keep look at the big picture and you, you know, continue to do it consistently, I think mm. you can make your money grow for you. Yeah, mm. and I guess perhaps uh, I'm just thinking um, right now, people are wondering like, is this whole sacrifice worth it? Like, is, is it really worth uh, investing in 10 or 15% of my salary? Uh, life is hard enough, right? I understand there are bills to pay, you know, you need to pay your mortgage, you need to send your kids to school, you still need to eat and have a living. So is it really worth it? Uh, well, the, the end goal of this whole entire exercise rather or sacrifice right is to reach a point where actually there is a dependable source of income for you a source of income that you can count on uh, a steady flow of income so perhaps on months that's really good maybe that month you're earning ten thousand dollars then this passive income becomes your your bonus right you can go and drink starbucks a bit more that month <laughs> but if it's if that month is really bad then this passive income becomes your lifeline so, yeah, it's to reach a point where you don't need to be stressed out about money, stressed out about paying your bills or going to bed feeling anxious in the night. Just uh, having a dependable source of income. Yeah, that, those are really, that is the goal, right? To be able to yeah. live uh, the life we want when we have the finances. Yeah, yeah that's yes. the dream. Okay, yeah, so... That's the dream. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, so let's say if I want to do it myself like like a DIY and want to invest in dividend yielding funds what should I look out for when picking the fund to invest in so that you know because there are so many scams out there right so or like funds that are unperforming and things how what what are the danger signs how do I do my deal intelligence with especially with so much info out there couple of criterias but I think the first one you should really look at is to only invest into things that you actually understand. I know you guys did a series on the whole NFT thing and NFTs are pretty close, closely linked to the crypto space. So I have seen uh, a lot of people, personal friends of mine have lost uh, thousands of dollars uh, investing into, into cryptocurrency. Uh, not that cryptocurrency is bad, but because they, they didn't actually understood what they were investing into, they didn't understand the risk involved. So I think really only invest into things that you actually understand. So that, that's one. Uh, second one is uh, look out for red flags. So what are some red flags, right? Uh, if, if you know the returns are a little too high, too good to be true, uh, that's where you really want to uh, be careful. So what then is a benchmark? That's the, probably the next question you're asking. Uh, somewhere between 7 to 8% is in the safe range. So you might be thinking, right, oh Ben, how do you get this 7 to 8% uh, safe range? Historically, if you backtrack into the, the, the stock market, I would say that the entire world stock market, the last 100 years, uh, the stock market has been giving an 8% rate of return. Uh, generally, the broad market, 8% rate of return. So anything above 8%, uh, has to be justified. And, you know, if that investments cannot justify how they get 15, 20%, then that's where you really want to, you know, just be careful. That's, that's, a, that's a big red flag already. 
So, yeah, two ways. Uh. Only, only invest into things you understand. Uh, look out for super normal. We call it super normal returns. If they can't justify it, uh, it could be a Ponzi scam. Okay, that is really very good advice. I mean, like scams are so common these days, right? And also, yeah, I think what I would say the crypto crash has taught us is like sometimes when it's too good to be true, it really is too good to be true, unfortunately. And it's a lesson that I think either a lot of people are learning right now. And I've also seen this happen to my circle as well, people who, who unfortunately are also affected by the recent uh, crypto crash. But on the other hand, let's just say I'm very focused on my craft. I'm not that interested in you know, doing all this investment research or I'm really too busy running my business. But at the same time, I, I'm of the financial situation to be able to afford the services of a financial advisor. So what are the qualities I should look for when you know, picking my financial advisor? I mean, I'm sorry to say that, but I think sometimes financial advisors do have like a bad rap, unfortunately. <laughs> you know, like, like ex-classmates who only call you out, who never talked to you for 10 years and suddenly call you out to buy insurance or financial plan. No, they, I mean, not to say that. you with coffee first. <laughs> Do you want to meet for coffee? It's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> the last point on scams is that you need to ensure that the investment is regulated by MES. So uh, why regulation is an important thing is because in the event if anything happens, right, at least you have a legal recourse, which means that you can actually take this case to court uh, because it's regulated by MES. Uh, if it's not regulated by MES, there's literally nothing that you can do. There's no legal recourse. There are no legal actions that you can take to even recall any, any, any form of money. So just make sure that, yeah, it's regulated by MES. I think unfortunately, um, that's not the. I won't say it's the fault of the blockchain, but right now because uh, I would say crypto is a very new, it's not mm. regulated. So, <laughs> if you have been investing a lot of money in crypto schemes that don't work out, I think it's also very unlikely. For example, Luna, I don't. I think it's also very unlikely you will see your money back. Yeah, you, yeah. you can't like take take this case to the high court and say you know I want my money back. It's like mm. it's, it's not regulated by MAS. You know, uh, let mm. the buyer beware. Right, there's a caveat. Let the buyer beware. So just ensure these things and then make sure that uh, yeah you are protected. On that note, there is also the opposite side of the spectrum, like for people who just want to focus on their craft <laughs> or they are really busy running their business mm. and have no time to or interest to look into investment resources. What qualities should they look for when they are selecting their financial advisor? I think generally there are three criteria that I ask clients to look out for. I think the first one is to ask whether does your this advisor does he have any uh, certifications? Broadly speaking, uh, before any advisor comes into the industry, they must do four papers. Uh, but that's just the bare minimum. Uh, there are other certifications that you can take, like you can become a certified financial planner or a chartered financial consultant. So the difference between uh, between an ordinary advisor and someone who is certified is that a certified advisor, they go through years and years of study. They get very nerdy and very technical into uh, financial planning. So that's one. Uh, but certs are not everything because, you know, someone can be a very smart advisor, but, you know, it can be a bit, may not be in your best interest. So I guess another criteria is to see how does this advisor make you feel? Is he constantly trying to push you to you know get this policy is it constantly trying to push you here and push you there uh, if it makes you feel uncomfortable then perhaps it may not be the advisor for you 
And uh, the last the last criteria is uh, I would I'll, I'll tell clients is to always ask your advisors uh, if they are recommending this solution. Ask them why, because if they cannot give you a logical reason as to why, then uh, there could be an underlying agenda mm. behind it. Yeah. So certs uh, are they making you feel comfortable? And check with them why are they doing certain things. I think it's very important to pick the right financial advisor, especially if you are entrusting them with your money for those of you who want to engage the services. And that with that brings us to the really last question that we always like to ask our guests when they come on Freelance Creative Exchange. If you can look at your younger self, what would you say to them? I'll tell, I'll tell a younger Ben to find out how money works ASAP. Uh, because uh, if, if you look at my background, technically I have all the right the right degrees and you know the right exposure and also accountant by train but I still didn't know how money worked not until I really actually go and learn about it so I would tell him you know Ben find out how money works understand it so that you can use money for greater good yeah, well that is oh, very good at insight <laughs> okay yeah. so I think with that I want to thank uh, Ben very much for your time today for taking us through to this um, this journey of how money works. And this is very important, be it whether you're an accountant or creative. I think that that's something that we all need to learn and know. And it's not something that happens overnight. It's a journey, right? Learning about money, learning how to manage your money. It's a financial journey that is probably what take us through the end of our lives. And we also learned so much from you about what passive income is and also how, how do you pick the right investment for you? What is the criteria you should look out for? And also like for those of you who want financial advices, how do you, what qualities you should look for? So I think this is a very interesting and a very enlightening conversation we have today. I feel that I also learned a lot. So then, if someone wants to uh, reach out to you, where can they look for you? Oh, you can find me on uh, Instagram, uh, Finance Made Simple. Uh, TikTok also Finance Made Simple. Uh, you can follow us and we post daily on how you can build passive income so you can earn more, work less and get out of the red race. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I also, that's something I also want to aspire <laughs> to. <laughs> and also, okay, any upcoming projects that you want to plug? Uh, we, uh, we, are, we are organizing corporate workshops where we go into SMEs and business owners where we actually teach their staff how to build passive income uh, because we found out that if you, know, if you take care of your staff, right, your staff is going to take care of your business and you don't want staff to come to work always half the time feeling stressed out about money because they're not going to be very good employees to you and not going to help your business. So uh, let us take care of your staff by managing their money and they will take care of your business for you. So, you know, if you are a business owner or uh, your SME, uh, you can invite me to speak at your lunchtime talks. We, we provide lunches. Uh, lunches is on us. And we will walk your staff through on how they can build passive income. Okay. So now you, you know where to look for Ben. So, and if you like Freelance Creative Exchange, please let us know by doing all the things that podcasts ask you to do. Follow our show, rate, review, check out our social media. Tell your friends about the show. Share your views with us. You know, if you have any questions about money or freelancing, do reach out to us. And that's all for now. And we'll be back again next week. Bye. See you.